But this morning, if you have your Bibles, I want to talk to you about walking with God. And my text is 2 Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. The Christian life is described as a walk. And so it's not uh, synonymous with salvation. That's where the walk begins, by encountering Christ. But it's what follows our encounter with Christ. It's learning to fellowship with him and to walk in partnership with him. And I think it's pretty amazing when you read in Mark's gospel, when Jesus called the 12, the first thing he said, I want you to be with me. And by spending time with someone, you build relationship. And so before he ever sent them out to preach or do anything, they just spent time together. I want you to be with me. He pulled them out of the crowd, and he said, I want you to be with me. And everything of meaning and significance in our life flows out of fellowship with Christ. Because when we spend time with him, we become like him. We learn his heart, and he deposits within us his presence. And, you know, when we walk, I just thought of that now. So think of this, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the very same spirit dwells in us. Isn't that amazing? So think of this. So here he is representing the Holy Spirit, but he's in us. So when you walk into Walmart or go through the shopping mall or go down to get your groceries, you carry with you the presence of God. And he can make you a blessing. You don't have to be religious. You just have to be friendly and, and take interest. And when somebody stops and you meet them, you say, well, Heidi, how are things going? And then you share with me, a real concern. So say we meet somebody that we don't know, but they come up and we get to talk to them and they share a concern. We need to be able to speak life into them, encouragement, and be prepared to just say, well, would you like me to pray for you? Or, you know, uh, or just, just genuinely listen. Sometimes just listening values that person because what they're sharing really counts. So remember, you're carrying his presence. And with that comes blessing. So fellowship. Now, one of the classic examples in scripture is Enoch. It says in Genesis chapter 5, Enoch walked with God. And uh, so, you know, he... He lived 365 years. So you can read through Genesis chapter 5, and um, it says that he walked with God. Last week we talked about a builder named Noah, and he built an ark. If you can get to Millertown, Kentucky, that would be wonderful. So I think my mic's on. Here we are. All right. So, so if we get there, here we are. And anyway, um, if you can get down to Millertown, Kentucky, and see the ark, I'll tell you, it'll blow your mind away. Noah was an engineer. He had to be. 
took him 120 years, and I understand why. It would take me a lot longer. But anyway, so today I want to look at Enoch. Enoch lived 365 years. But he only walked with God for 30, 300 years. He didn't begin to walk with God until he was 65. And what prompted him to walk with God? It was his firstborn son, Methuselah, who outlived everybody. But there's something that happens in his heart and in the heart of every parent. When you bring a child into this world, you realize that's a real person, not just a baby, but a real person. And that God has real purpose for them. And so the greatest influence next to Jesus is the influence of a godly parent. And so he sensed that responsibility. He realized Methuselah was a gift from God. And as a father, he wanted to just raise him in a godly atmosphere that he would live his life for the Lord. So his journey began when he was 65. And he walked with God for 300 years. That's pretty amazing. And in Hebrews 11:5 it says, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And it goes on to say, what pleases God? It says, it's impossible to please God without faith. So it's faith. It was Enoch's faith in God that pleased him. And he walked with God for 300 years. And that talks about having fellowship with, partnering with, just being with, being aware of God, and as he walked, it was just like how God walked with Adam in the garden and come down and said, how was your day today? God wants fellowship. He wants to have a real relationship with us, not rules and regulations. A lot of people think, well, you gotta be religious. God's not into religion. You can be religious and lost. It's not rules and regulations. It's not do's and don'ts. It's a heart relationship built on trust, out of love and commitment. It's not that you can't do this and can't do that. When Christ comes in, you don't want to do those things. And so Enoch, he walked with God for 300 years. And I'm sure as they're going along, God was saying, Hey, Enoch, why don't you come to my place for supper tonight? Deal. And he was not because God took him. Not folklore, word of God. And so, I want us to consider what is involved in walking with God. What is it like? Well, how do we please God? It's our faith. And how can we walk with God? First of all, we are to walk before him. Say that, before him. Oh, in the awareness of his presence. Listen to this, Genesis 17, 1. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. So we're to walk before him in the awareness of his presence. And if you're aware of who dwells within you and you're aware of his presence, I guarantee you, some of the benefits are this. Number one, 
It'll keep you from sin. Listen to Galatians 5.16. I advise you to live according to this new life, and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. When we become more God-conscious, we want to please Him. When you realize nothing's hidden from Him, men love darkness because their deeds are evil. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we walk in the awareness of His presence, it will keep us from sinning. It also will increase our confidence because it says in 1 John 3, 21, if our conscience is clear and we haven't sinned, you know, then he says, we can come to God with a bold confidence. Isn't that amazing? Come boldly before the throne of grace in the merits of Jesus Christ, in the name above all names, and he has your attention. So it'll increase our confidence and it'll make our way meaningful and fulfilling. The Lord says, "Before the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way. Genesis 24, 40. So we're to walk before him in the awareness of his presence. And so when you get up every morning and you begin the day by saying, good morning, Lord, lead me and guide me. Realize He's with us, right? He's in us. And be aware of his presence. And as you are aware of his presence, he will lead you, he will guide you, and your life will be fulfilling. You'll have an inner confidence. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And you'll also have a clear conscience, not, not sinning. So walk before him, how? In the awareness of his presence. The second thing is we're to walk after him in obedience to his purpose. Listen to this, Deuteronomy 13, 4. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. So if we say we really love God, proof of that is we will keep his commandments. Paul said, love fulfills the commandments of God. What would he mean by that? If we really love God, we won't have any other gods before us. If we really love God, we'll gather with God's people on Sunday, not because we have to, but because we want to. Because God never intended us to do life all on our own. We have fellowship. We need one another. We can encourage one another. If you're going through a rough day, we can pray for you. We can encourage you. There's something about being together. There's no substitute for that. And so we find that, you know, through COVID, there was a lot of restrictions. But how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Amen? Aren't you thankful for the church and for the family of God? It's not a building, it's people, isn't it? So we need to be aware that we're to walk before him in the awareness of his presence and after him in obedience to his purpose. And if we really love him, listen to what 2 John 1 says, verse 6. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments, and this is the commandment, that you've heard from the beginning, you should walk in obedience to him.
So there we are. Walk in it. So the walk is progressive, ongoing fellowship. It begins with salvation, but it continues out our whole earthly life, that we grow in fellowship, our relationship becomes more deeper, and it's not just, you know, routine. We begin to learn his heart. We begin to sense his presence. We begin to understand and listen for his nudges. Remember Elijah? It wasn't in the great earthquake or the fire, but it was in the still, small, quiet voice. And the closer you get to God and the quieter you become, the more you will hear. Be still and know I am God. So we're to walk before him and we're to walk in obedience after him. Obedience to his purpose. And the third thing is, we are to walk with him. Amos says, how can anyone walk together unless they're agreed? How can any two walk together unless they're agreed? So it's walking with, in step with. We're walking in fellowship with his person. And so we're walking at the same pace. It's not a race. It's a walk. We're not resisting. We're walking. And as we walk at the same pace, in the same direction, with the same values, that's what it means to walk with him. It's the realization that our daily tasks in walking with God takes on purpose and meaning. And so the whole Christian life is described as a walk. My text was, as therefore you have received Christ, so walk in him. So it, just don't say, well, I give my life to the Lord, and that's it. That's the beginning. Think of the Apostle Paul. I mean, we all have a testimony. But when you read Acts chapter 9 and his divine encounter, Jesus himself came down and got a hold of him. And he fell to the ground and he was blind. Werner, yeah, anyway, I'm picking on you. But, uh, um, but imagine, Jesus himself came down and accosted him. Lord, what do you want me to do? Get up and I'll show you. But wouldn't it have been a tragedy there was no question of his salvation transformed. It would have been a tragedy and so selfish if Paul said, oh, I, I know I'm really forgiven, I'm saved. I'm just going to sit here on the road to Damascus and, and uh, just, you know, mend tents as people come by. What a wasted life. That's just the beginning. But to continue to live. And he got up and he went on. And think of how his life and his walk with Christ made such a difference. He, he continued, and when he got to Damascus, Barnabas came to him, prayed over him, blindness left him, and God told him, this is what I want you to do. So when you come to faith in Christ, he has a purpose for your life. He said, I've come to give you life, but more abundant. And every one of us were called according to his purpose. 
So you have a calling, and God has a purpose for every one of us. It doesn't all happen in the pulpit. 95% of our time is out in the real world. That's where ministry begins. And he will use you. You will reach people I will never reach. You know people that I don't even know. But God puts you in those circumstances to make the world a better place. Not by preaching, but by living the life. And when they see the difference that Christ makes in your life, they'll come and say, will you pray for me? I just found out my wife has cancer. In a group, they might make, you, make fun of you. I remember when I started out in ministry, I drove school bus. And we'd get to the school early at the high school, and all the guys would stand around, have a smoke, and tell funny jokes, you know, that I didn't laugh at. And, uh, oh, here comes the preacher. I guess better not say that. And they all would, you know, as a group, make fun. But it didn't bother me. But I found out that when winter came and you sat in the bus heated up waiting for the kids to come out, and we'd always get there early, one by one, at different times, they would come, knock on the door and open the door. Dave, I really need your prayers today. I know you know how to pray. And, and they would share a need. I'd just quietly pray for him there, and I'll say, Bob, I'm going to remember you in prayer. They would come one by one. They'll never read this book. Very seldom will anybody read this book outside of Christ. I hope you guys are. But it says that we're living epistles. They're going to read our lives, and they're going to watch our walk. They're going to observe how do you handle pressures? How are you handling COVID? I, I'll tell you, some churches haven't handled it too well. You know, I'm not taking the vaccine. Well, I am. What? You know, and won't go there. But I mean, Jesus said, they'll know we're followers of him by our love. Look around and say, I love you with the love of Christ. Go ahead. Tell somebody that. That's right. Come on. Yeah. Say, I know that. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, just turn, turn back and say, yeah, I'm glad we're related. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm glad we're related. And we really are. We're family. In the early days, it used to be brother Tapley and sister Tapley. And, you know, why? Because we were family. And we still are. So we need each other, and we fellowship. So as you have received Christ, then you're part of his family. And now we have the privilege of walking with him, before him, in the awareness of his presence, after him, in obedience to his promptings, and with him, in fellowship with his purpose, with his presence, knowing him. Wonderful. So today I want to challenge you. Let us be challenged by the example of Enoch. I don't think any of us are going to live 300 years, you know. 
The further we get away from the fall, the shorter life becomes. But I really believe the Lord's coming soon. And we need to walk in wisdom, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. We need to be light and salt in our community. We need to show up, speak up, and stand up, but with Christ-like love, not demanding rights, but developing fellowship, developing relationship with those who do not yet know Christ, and in time to have the privilege of leading them to the Lord. I came from a good family. I'm the youngest in my family. I had an encounter out in the field through a Gideon Testament at the age of 11. Drifted through my teen years, out in the world, on probation when I was 13. I didn't think I was bad, I was just mischievous. But <laughs> at 18, my two friends who I stole cars with, we never wrecked them, we just had to drive. This one night said, Dave, come and be with us. And in my spirit, I didn't, I wasn't even living for Jesus, but I had an encounter with him when I was 11. Don't go. I didn't go. And that night the police chased them. They went around a sharp curve, went right into a tree. Both were killed. That was my wake up call. God, I know you're real. I just don't know where you are. The Gideon that gave me the Testament was my neighbor. He called me. Do you need a job for the summer pumping gas? Bill Bailey, the oil man. And so I did. I told him my experience when he gave the Gideon Testament out in grade five, invited me to church. I had an encounter with Christ. And he wiped out my past, gave me a new beginning. And I began my walk with him. Eventually, he called me into ministry. And the church that I used to go to on occasion, Christmas and Easter, the minister would get up in a pulpit and look down at us with his tunic. And in a theater voice, he would talk, this is God talking. And when he called me into ministry, I said, God, I can't do that. He said, I'm not asking you to. So what you see is what you get. But I want to encourage you today. We are all on a journey. It begins with salvation. It continues on an ongoing relationship, ever deepening, ever fulfilling, fellowshipping with Christ and with one another. So let us be challenged by Enoch's example. 300 years he walked with God. And one day he was gone. What happened to him will happen to us. Because in a day when you think not, the trump of God will sound, the dead in Christ will rise, and we that are alive, we're going to be gone. That's a wonderful hope, isn't it? It's, it? I'll tell you, it's a blessed hope. It's an exciting future we have. So we're in a race. We're in a walk. Let's make a difference while we have opportunity. A hundred years from now, I prophesy none of us will be here, okay? And I'm pretty safe on that. But until then, let's make a difference in our world.
be light and salt. Show the difference in your everyday decorum and demeanor of how Christ makes a difference. And one day, we'll be gone. So Father, bless your word to our hearts this day. Let our faith be strengthened, our resolve to be renewed in living and walking with you day by day. Guide our steps in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Lead us into this coming week in the awareness of your presence, that we would walk in the awareness of your presence, that you dwell within us, you go before us, you watch over us. Direct our steps, and may we have a word of encouragement to those that we would encounter. We would love on them. And you said that your word will never return void, and this love will never fail. And so bless us and make us blessing as we go into a new week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you. Have a great week. And uh, I'm glad you're here. Come for coffee and conversation Wednesday morning. Everyone's invited. We've got lots of chairs.